This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. There's going to be you know, offensive chances that you're giving up throughout the course of the game. It happens, but I didn't think it was from you know us cheating the game tonight. We're just not getting rewarded right now. I thought we deserved a little better, but give them credit. They scored on, on their power play. You know, we didn't, their goaltender played it, it really well, and I thought it was a tough one for us tonight, but we'll, we'll have to bounce back. I mean, no one's no one's sitting here feeling, feeling sorry for us, certainly, and we're not feeling sorry for ourselves, so we'll, we'll find a way with this group. Yeah, I think that's the right approach. Make no mistake, they are in a little bit of a funk here offensively. The Tampa Bay Lightning fall last night to Columbus 4-2. to two. It was the team's fifth loss in seven games. They are struggling to score goals. That's been well documented. They are getting their chances, though, and I think that's what people have to keep in perspective when you talk about this team and when they're going to snap out of it. We will discuss that throughout the show today. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. I am Greg Linelli, along with the man who called the game yesterday, Dave Mishkin. Steve Ersnick is our producer. And you can tell, Dave, the team is a little frustrated, for sure. I don't get the sense there's much panic, if any, right now in that locker room. They're getting their chances. Stammer had uh, a few last night. What I find odd about this slump, and I'm going to call it that, at least offensively, is that, you know, in sports, even the really good teams, the ones that are dynamic, when a team goes into a slump, you'll see a couple of guys struggle to score goals or, you know, score points or, you know, whatever, get a lot of hits, whatever sport you want to compare this to. It is a little more interesting to see and maybe more unusual to see a team whose stars are struggling collectively and I think that's just what's happening right now I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing it happens it just it's happening right now and I think the Lightning are probably a bit frustrated they haven't been able to to score as much as they would like but to me that's what stands out it's not so much that they're experiencing a slump because I think you have that in sports, no matter how talented you are. I think what's a little shocking is that basically every offensive player that is supposed to score for the Lightning has gone into a bit of a slump. The reason why that can happen in hockey, maybe more so than other sports, is that at least when you're talking about the forward position, Greg, three guys play together. So a line can dip, a line can become stale, a line can get flat, and all three of the guys on that line then would theoretically be struggling to produce points. And last night was a little bit different. We can get into what happened last night offensively, but I think if if we were to talk about Sorelli, Kalorn, Stamp goes as a line, I know they haven't been a line in every game during these last seven or eight, contest but they've played together as a line a fair amount they have not been as dynamic as they have been in the past so I think that that is part of the reason why those three players have gone several games without scoring and again this has not been a line throughout these last couple of weeks but Gord Goodrow and Coleman similarly when they've played together They have not been as dynamic in the offensive zone. I think Yanni had that five-game goal streak, but since then he has gone without a goal. I believe it's six straight games. Coleman scored against Carolina 
That's been his only goal during the stretch, and Goodrow has gone quite a while since he last scored. Not that he's counted on for, for goal scoring, but that line is not generating a lot of chances regularly. Point had a little bit of a slump. He broke out of it during the homestand. That one's maybe a little bit different in that, like, that line has had its looks, and the power play has dried up a little bit too. So when you think about Palat, who's had a lot of power play goals this year, right? Like, that that's maybe one reason why why his goal total has has not increased in, in recent games. So I understand what you're saying. I think the players actually mentioned that last night, that it feels like a lot of players all at once are are in a little bit of a goalless drought. That is true, but I think it's tied to the fact that different line combinations have not been as dynamic as they've been in the past. And, and that's that's how I see it, as opposed to nine different players all in their own individual way have have found it hard sledding all of a sudden. Yeah, and I think, you know, it is it is contagious. I mean, we see that in any sport. I know, as you mentioned, and rightfully so, hockey, you're dealing with teammates on a line, so your play may yeah. dip along. And the fourth players. line has been really dynamic, and all three of the players on that line have been contributing points regularly. So I think that's an interesting question or observation i i want to get into today a little bit dave because we're about solutions here uh, you know we can complain <laughs> yes, about we guys. are about solutions we're about guys you know struggling and and you know we can point out things and certainly twitter um there's a a growing a growing frustration i you know dave you mentioned are there people out there really panicking travis goes is it time to panic he goes <laughs> well at least he team. asked the question he, he didn't did. say Quote, I'm panicked. He did. He said, the Bolts seem to have lost their game. I see a lot of people piling on TJ. Is he playing particularly bad? Time to get some young guys up from Q's. All right. So let's let's go to this right now. I I wasn't necessarily going to go to this right off the top. But but let let me break down for you what I saw yesterday. That was a very dynamic offensive performance for the Lightning. So... Which issue are you most concerned about, fans? Are you concerned that the Lightning were having some offensive struggles? They weren't getting inside on a lot of these other teams. They weren't generating enough scoring chances. They were overpassing. There was a little bit of of that in their game last night, but but not as much as there has been. They had 38 shots. They had a high volume of scoring chances and a high percentage of really, really good scoring chances of the scoring chances that they generated, Corpusala was terrific. Now, they've run into some hot goalies recently, too. But Corpusalo took care of most of the scoring chances the Lightning generated. He was beaten twice late. The Colton shot's a really good shot into the top of the net. I'm not sure that's even a great A. He's on a strong side. He just placed it perfectly, and Shen scores in the last minute on a point shot that had eyes through a screen. I'm not sure that that's a grade-A scoring chance. The Lightning had other grade-A scoring chances, and Corpus Allo stopped all of them. So from the offensive standpoint, the Lightning did a lot of good things yesterday, and I just mentioned Sorelli, Kalorn, Stamkos. I thought they were really good last night in the offensive zone. Stamkos in the first period alone. How many opportunities did he have right around the net? One off yeah, the I skate, I remember. 
there was that one where he picked the pocket of Savard and and had an opportunity. He tried to pass it, went off Gavrikov's skate, but Corpusalo still had to make a good save on it. That line did a lot of good things. And why were they generating chances, Greg? Because they were working extremely hard in the offensive zone. They worked hard to win puck battles. They worked hard to retrieve pucks. They worked hard to maintain possession. They dominated possession in terms of who had the puck more. The Lightning had way more of the puck possession last night. So all of that was positive, and they did run into a hot goalie. They also played a team that does defend well in front of their goalie, and the Blue Jackets blocked a lot of shots. The Lightning weren't able to get to a lot of rebounds for second or third opportunities, but they still were able to generate a high volume of scoring chances. So from the offensive standpoint, what what you take from last night and and you say as glass half full is, they did a lot of things that would normally result in more than one or two goals scored. What you worry about is frustration setting in. And that was that was kind of the theme of the post game. You heard it from Tyler Johnson, you heard it from Stamkos, you heard it from from Coop as well that you can't start changing what you were doing because you're not getting rewarded. You can't allow frustration to affect the way you go about your business. All right. So I actually felt that they 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 checked a lot of boxes in terms of the offensive zone from the red line to the other team's net. What we saw last night, though, as well, Greg, was problems defensively. They didn't give up a ton of chances, but the chances they gave up were really dangerous. And this was a game where Vasilevsky was not able to bail them out. You had blown coverage on the first goal, the Dolpy goal. You had a miscue behind the net, Vasilevsky and Ben Thomas. On the second goal, Roslovic, I'm not sure if somebody can get to Roslovic there because it's a quick turnover, but the Lightning had a self-inflicted wound there. And then the third goal, which turned out to be the game winner, was a power play goal. And this, again, after going through four home games where they took five total penalties leading to shorthanded situations, they were shorthanded five times last night alone. Too many penalty kills. Too many. They had three kills in the third period and two in a row at the start of the period when they were trying to to mount a comeback push and Domi scored on the second of those three third-period power play chances to make it 3-0. That was... I think on the play-by-play, I said Vasilevsky missed it. It did nick off Hedman's stick and then nicked off the post, so it was a little bit of a seeing-eye shot. But the issue there was you're back on the penalty kill. And and those are the issues that we talked about this on Monday show, Greg. If, if fans are going to get worked up about something, I would get worked up about let's see if they can improve on the number of times they are shorthanded and the quality of the chances they are allowing because they do not want to have to lean on Andre Vasilevsky as much as they have had to lean on him over the past several weeks. And I know this is like a repeat of what we talked about on Monday, but we saw that again last night. That was of greater concern, if that's the right word to me, than what was happening in the offensive zone. Assuming they don't let frustration affect kind of how they how they approach the game tomorrow. Yeah, you know, and the thing about it is, too, with offenses, Dave, I, I tend not to get too worked up. I mean, I don't get worked up too much in sports in general. There are bigger things in life for us to get worked up about. But within the frame of discussing sports, I don't get worked up with a team like Tampa Bay 
finding the back of the net with more regularity because I, th- I think a couple things are in play there. I think as the season wears on, it's tougher to score goals. I think teams are, are defending better. I think this is also a product of Tampa Bay playing the same team over and over and over again this year. You have a tendency to know these tendencies, and uh, it's harder it's harder to score in today's National Hockey League. It just is. And then you factor in, I think Tampa Bay, look, I- I'm not a fan uh, of Thomas Grice, but they've run into some pretty good goaltending too. I mean, that, let's let's face it. They've they've gone against some teams that have defended well, that have blocked shots, and that have gotten some very good goaltending from guys who I think are pretty good but not great. And I think you have to give the other team some credit. The Lightning are capitalizing or not capitalizing. They are getting some chances. They've hit a number of posts throughout this little slump. I'm not worried about the offense. I also understand too. Come playoff time, you know, don't expect four goal games by the Lightning. I mean, they're going to have to win games yeah. three, two, yeah, two, one. and and that goes to it. So let's let's put aside for the fact, for for the moment, the fact that the Lightning weren't rewarded, and maybe on another night they would be. They still gave up three. That's a problem. I think I think it needs to be moving forward here on a regular basis, two or less. And if you recall, Greg, not just in the bubble during the playoffs. But during their 23-2-1 stretch last year, I know Brian Burns has the numbers off the top of his head. I don't. But most of those games in that 26-game stretch, the Lightning were holding the other team to two or less. That's your formula. Because you're right. In the playoffs, goals are going to be harder to come by. Now, we don't know if the Lightning are going to be playing in the playoffs teams as 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 tight defensively as the four teams they saw last year in the bubble where they absolutely had to match what Columbus, Boston, the Islanders, and Dallas were doing defensively. But I still think that even if you're playing more of a wide-open opponent, think Colorado or in their division, maybe Carolina and Florida, one that wants to push the pace just like the Lightning, I still think you need to, to, to zero in on trying to hold the other team to, to under three. What's interesting, I, I do want to go there, and this may be a little bit more complicated and a little bit more in the weeds in terms of how I look at Tampa Bay defensively than some people, but we can go there right now at Bolts Radio. I also want to get back to Ross Colton because I think there is a an interesting dynamic to his play and maybe providing a bit of a spark if they choose to go that route with some of these other lines. You know me. I, I've never looked at Tampa Bay as a great defensive team, even though sometimes, Dave, the numbers suggest possibly they're in the, the top five, top ten, depending on which year we're, we're looking at. I've always felt like they've had to rely on their goaltender a bit more than teams of their pedigree, but they've always had elite goaltending. So I'm not – that doesn't bother me as much. I don't think they are a great defensive team. I think where they can really suffocate you defensively is when they're not spending time in their own zone and they're playing with the puck and they're possessing the puck. And you can maybe throw in Chernak uh, into this category as well as to why maybe they're struggling a bit more defensively because he's been out and I think there's some validity to it. But I always felt like when the Lightning are playing their best – their best defense is their offense, and they are playing with the puck. They have possession. They do come back, and they're back-checking, 
and they're being responsible, but it's it's not a lot of time in their own zone. Those defensemen get the puck out in a hurry to the forwards, good gap control. There's not a lot of separation between the two, and so everybody's supporting one another when you're getting that puck out of the zone. For whatever reason, at least where I'm watching, Dave, and I could be off, I'm not seeing a ton of that. I'm seeing you know more turnovers. I'm seeing... Guys being a bit sloppy. We've seen some broken coverages. I think that's going to happen. Uh, you want that to, you know, the first goal that, that Columbus scored, you, you want to see better coverage there for sure. It sounded like there was a communication issue with uh, Johnson and maybe Hedman and, and some other guys coming back. But for me, it's all it's always been about Tampa Bay's puck possession and offense that has made them a better defensive team. And I feel like the last couple of weeks... They've had to rely on their goaltender too much, but they're not playing as crisply in their own zone, getting the puck out quickly to the forwards to get that counter game going the other way. Do I think that will change? I'm hopeful. I mean, I, I think they when they do that, and we saw that last year, I, I think they're very effective. And like I said before, they can suffocate teams. It's almost kind of like when I look back at the, the Penguins when they won in 2017, and they just suffocated you. They came in waves. They weren't a great defensive team. They just had the puck a lot, and they forced you into some very uncomfortable situations, and it made it seem like they were on top of you every single time. That's kind of how I envision Tampa Bay and the way they want to play because they are skilled. They have a lot of speed, um, and I think that's – the way they should play. I, j- I just don't think we're seeing that right now. I'm not concerned too much about it. I think eventually the playoffs will come calling, and you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to pay attention to detail. You're going to have to make sure when you come back and that puck's in your own defensive zone, the defensemen have to do a better job of getting that first pass out quickly to the forwards. And the forwards have to make sure when they're coming back, they're giving them, the defensemen, a clean outlet to accept the pass. And then you just have to keep it simple. You know, you, you can't go east and west. I mean, you're at the center line, center ice, get it in. There's nothing there. Get it in. Get that four check going. It's it's why the fourth line, I think, has been really successful recently. I think that's why the Yanni Gord line can be really successful is they just keep it simple. And when you do that, I, I think the Lightning look really good in a lot of, lot of categories. So... That's how I would look at them, Dave, defensively. I'm sure the coaching staff is looking at it maybe from another perspective. But for me, it's always been about Tampa Bay's ability to not spend as much time in their own zone and getting that puck out quickly. And we're just not seeing a lot of that right now. And give credit to the other team for forechecking. I think the Lightning have been a bit sloppy. But I, I think that is something that's correctable. It's just not happening right now. So the way you describe the way the Lightning can defend by having the puck a lot and and applying relentless pressure is part of their DNA. That's part of how they want to play. And I do think it predates the 2019-2020 regular season. The problem happened when they met Columbus in the 2019 playoffs because what Columbus was able to do was frustrate the Lightning through the neutral zone not in every game I mean there was a reason why the Lightning were up three nothing in game one right I mean they did score three goals in the first period with an opportunity to go four nothing yeah that was one of that was one of the 12 periods in that series so it's not like Columbus completely suffocated the Lightning in every period of every game of that playoff series but particularly when Columbus got the lead 
they really clogged things up and the Lightning had a hard time getting their mojo going, getting their skating game going and 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 executing the way that you just described. So I think one of the things that became a priority after losing to Columbus in the 2019 playoffs was adjusting the team's mindset a little bit and and understanding that there can be a patient approach that can be beneficial. And we heard that from John Cooper throughout last year through the regular season and then after the pause in the bubble. The patient approach meaning do not sacrifice defense for offense. Do not get greedy. Worry about your net as much as the other team's net. And that was that was really important to, to the Lightning's success in the bubble last year so that if they could do the exact thing that you described, great, overwhelm the other team, <laughs> have 85% of the puck possession, terrific. Don't worry about the other team coming into your end because you have the puck the vast majority of the time. And then when they get the puck, all they can do is basically get it out and get a line change. That's perfect. That's that's skiing downhill when the Lightning are rolling like that. The problem is that sometimes the other team does things to not let that happen, right? <laughs> like they have a vote too, as John Cooper likes to say. And how are you going to adjust when they are preventing you from having that much possession? And what I saw from the Lightning in the bubble last year was many things, but but two things specific to that. If the other team was was defending in a way that the Lightning could not just overwhelm them, even though they had long stretches in games in all four series where they were able to do just that, but they didn't do it all the time. They did not overextend themselves looking to get into that sort of game at the expense of their defense. I think that was certainly true in the five-overtime game against Columbus. If there's one team that you can't do it against, it's Columbus. And the Lightning learned that lesson the hard way in 2019. And they were so disciplined and regimented in making sure that they didn't overextend themselves to try and not just score a goal, but, but try and get in on the puck at the expense of something coming back the other way. And and Stamkos was asked about that last night relating to the chances. That was the clip, actually, Steve played. The question was, you know, have the Lightning given up some opportunities because they're pressing too much for offense? And Stamkos said he didn't think that that was the case last night. I agree with him, actually. I don't think that the Lightning got exposed defensively because of what they were trying to do offensively. They were really good offensively, both in terms of the chances they generated and not leaving themselves open to counterattacks. What happened defensively was was something else. But part of what brought them success last year in the bubble was when they were not able to dominate possession, they didn't go sniffing for chances, A. And then B, and this was, this was one of the biggest keys in the playoffs last year, and I remember you and I talked about this a lot, Greg. When the Lightning's puck management went sideways in the playoffs last year. So they were not coming out of their zone cleanly and they weren't able to execute plays up the ice so they could have that possession. And the other team was forechecking really aggressively and effectively and 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 foiling the Lightning's attempts to get the puck out cleanly. And the other team had a possession advantage, which happened at points in, in some of these playoff games. What the Lightning were able to do was they settled back into a tight defensive structure. 
so that even if they were seeding possession time, they were not giving up tons of scoring chances. There were a few exceptions. Game five against Columbus, that was a horrible game defensively for the Lightning, and Vasilevsky was was completely under siege. I, I seem to remember game five against Boston. Not surprisingly, these are two elimination games for the other team, so they brought everything. The Lightning didn't have a, a particularly tight defensive performance in that one either. Now, they were able to win both those games, but that's the difference to me. So I agree with what you're saying, and if the Lightning can do that, fantastic. But games are not always going to unfold that way, and you need to be able to have tight structure if you are going to have success in the playoffs. The Lightning showed that last year. There are going to be times when the other team is on a surge. There are going to be times when your execution is a little bit off with the puck. But if you have a turnover, it doesn't mean that it has to lead to a scoring chance the other way. You have to be able to settle back and defend hard and and prevent the other team from turning that turnover into a scoring chance and a goal. And I think that is the part of the Lightning's game right now that needs to get tightened. And they've done it. It's not like they haven't done it. I think that was one of the important lessons that they learned from the 2019 series against the Blue Jackets and one of the reasons why they they transformed their game in a way last year. But that's a big part of this this overall picture that, that is in addition to what you were talking about. Because I don't think the game always unfolds that way, where you can just dominate possession and and prevent the other team from from generating chances. Having said that, there were a lot of stretches in games last year in the playoffs when the Lightning did just that against all four of their opponents, where the other team could not even get out of the defensive zone. That's great when that happens, but like I said, that's like skiing downhill as opposed to the cross-country kind, where you got to get up a hill. A few times you got to manage those those hills as well Dave I don't ski you've watched cross-country skiing though clearly I do but then I quickly, you're a sports fan then I quickly turn the channel just like soccer yeah. people talk about soccer like Greg is it gonna be playing in your backyard I said no what I'll do is I'll make sure everybody's okay properly hydrated and then I'll close the blinds and I'll go take a nap <laughs> when that happens but, no, but I, you know what I'm saying well Greg point well taken point that well taken. I, I think that that is kind of what what we're not seeing right now and why why they're having to lean on Vasilevsky as much well, as they, also they have too, had to. And not that I really fault Vasi for any of those goals. I think it's when you when he gives up three, even though he's done it before, it, it's it's surprising because of how dominant he can be in net. You can see, Dave, I mean, if Vasi has an off game, you can see how quickly the margins shrink. I mean, the the, the talent gap shrinks between Tampa Bay and whoever they're playing. Now, you know, whether it's Carolina or Florida, that that talent margin, that gap isn't as great as it would be, let's say, Tampa Bay and Chicago. But you understand that, again, a big part of what Tampa Bay does defensively, I'm stating the obvious here, is they have an elite goaltender. If he's a little bit off, that really levels the playing yeah. field a bit. And I think that's something, and again, one of the reasons why they were able to do what they did last year I think they said to themselves, listen, we cannot rely on our goaltenders to bail us out game in and game out like they've done back when Ben Bishop was playing to Andre Vasilevsky now. I mean, it's great to go to that well as much as you can, but they're human beings. And once you get to the playoffs, you're playing better teams. They're not going to be able, you know, to just say, Vasi, go out and, and be elites for 
you know, four series. He may be, but it's you don't want to have to rely on that every single time. So, you know, again, it was a, cl- a classic example. Not that fans yeah, are going to go back and rewatch this game. It was a pretty ugly game for yeah. the Lightning, so it's not one. It's not one that you want to settle down and and enjoy some high flying action. But game two of the Islander series. So remember game one, the Islanders were flat. They had come off that tough series against the Flyers. The Lightning jumped all over them. They had everything was rolling. What did the Lightning score? Eight goals in game one. Yeah, I do. And yeah. they just dominated. Yeah. So you knew the Islanders would have a response in game two, and they did. That was the game where Kucherov. So you want a highlight reel play. Watch the last minute of the third period when Kucherov scored with less than 10 seconds left to win the game two to one. But for much of that game, the Lightning fought the puck. The Islanders played very, very well in terms of their structure. I don't remember what the shot totals were, but the Islanders had more puck possession. They were on top of the Lightning. They looked like the fresher team, which probably isn't accurate, but they played that way. They had higher urgency because they were down 1-0 in the series. They knew the importance of that game. And so when those parts of the Lightning's game were not clicking, they still deed up. And I think if you were to go back and rewatch that game, you would see that the actual number of scoring chances the Islanders were able to generate in game two was fairly low based on how much possession time they had. So that's that's the template. When 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 you don't have a game one against the Islanders, when, when things aren't completely rolling for you. And frankly, we've seen some of that from the opposition. You know, in some of these games where we're like, yeah, the Lightning had some possession time. They didn't really generate much. Now, some of that's on them, but some of that is on the other team, too. And I think the Lightning were able to do that at points in the bubble last year. And that was a huge, huge part to their ultimate success. At Bolts Radio, if you want to react to anything we had to say there in that first segment, we'll take a break. We'll come back. I want to get into Ross Colton. Is he more than a fourth liner? Is it a fair question to ask? We'll talk about that when we return. What should we expect on Thursday from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Ben Thomas, I thought, looked pretty good. Had an unfortunate turnover. I'm not sure that was his fault that led to a goal. We'll discuss that as well and take your tweets. He's Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linnelli. Back after this, it's Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Let's get to some questions here before we get into our next topic. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. I am Greg Lanelli, along with Dave Michigan, the radio voice of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Is the word panic in any of these questions? Is the word panic. I have to I have to read through them. I don't think panic. Well, so we're not reading that one. Is it time to panic? The answer is no. It is no, not time not. to panic. I will answer that one from, yes, from the first segment. I would segment. agree with you. Al wants to know, Cap Friendly is showing roster increase from 20 to 21, and Colton is waiver exempt. What has changed overnight? Would love to hear from Julian Brisois or assistant GM sometime in the future. So would we. We talk, Al must be listening. Oh, Al does. He likes that that idea that we we brought up the other day. I I do not stay on top of Cap Friendly on a daily basis, so I can't answer specifically why the the roster is looking the way that it is looking right now without they did, me actually they did going recall, on there. 
Daniel Walcott last to the night. Taxi no, he went squad, to the taxi though. squad. So that yeah, doesn't really change squad. your your cap situation. As uh, so, the taxi squad can't have more than six players. So as long as they're not over six, after adding Walcott, it doesn't really change anything. Colton has been waiver exempt. He is he is still early enough in his career trajectory that he does not have to clear waivers. So I'm not certain why Al said what has changed with that. Al, I don't know. But we will try an effort, effort to get somebody from the lighting on and we can talk about all of that. It may actually try and, you know, we're going to hear probably from Julian after the trade deadline. They typically talk to the media anyways, and I'm sure some of these questions yeah. may pop up. Now, now, if he saw that Colton is actually on, I don't know if is Colton on the taxi squad today. It's possible that Colton was moved on to the taxi squad today, which would mean that for today, the Lightning do not have a cap hit on his salary. That could be it. Yeah, that could be it. By the way... um, did you read Elliot Freeman's 31 thoughts? I yesterday? did. <laughs> One mention of the lightning, and I knew that you were going to circle back to that. It was barely even like it was six like words, eight. right? It was like point eight, and he said what? He 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 thinks David Savard kind of like a stealth. Yeah. He used the word stealth. It was there. a one-sentence thought. It was probably so, no more than six or seven words. So, I, again, but it, you've... He had a lot of impact with each of those words. Well, and you know used. how we feel about when Elliot reports something like that. Yeah. There must be some legs. Look, and so if 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 he feels a stealth contender, stealth because I think a lot of people are speculating with good reason because Julian Breesbaugh said it, and this is why we have been on this pretty much regularly since that press conference where Julian did say it, dollars out for dollars in or else no trade is going to be made. Significant dollars are going to have to go out if the Lightning are going to figure out a way to acquire David Savard, even if the Blue Jackets retain some of his salary. But who knows? You know what's interesting? You know what's interesting is again, that's why Joe Smith did that article last week because he he and Elliot must have been on the same wavelength. You know, um, we really haven't talked about what. What do you make of Savard? You like him? I like him. Yeah. Now he look, would, in a would, perfect world, if if the Lightning or any other team could add David Savard, I mean, we've seen that he can shoot. I know he doesn't score a lot, like but maybe he, play he plays every home game at Amelie Arena. He'll be scoring a goal a game, right? Because <laughs> like, is he a top? He's a top four. Is he a top have four? Have come right? at Amelie Arena, yes. So he so, would have to bump like a Ruta. Yeah. So he is he is a big, strong, right-handed. I didn't. I mean. I didn't even say yes to Ruta. I, I'm saying yes that I like him as a player. He is okay, a big, gotcha, strong, gotcha. right-handed shooting defenseman who can shoot, has a lot of NHL experience, and is in their top four. He's usually among the league leaders in block shots. That is the case again this year. Now, part of that is how Columbus plays and how John Tortorella coaches his team. But Savard certainly is a guy that blocks a lot of shots and is very, very structured defensively. The problem is the money and, and, you know what, I'm and wondering. what you would have to give up to get him. You know what I'm wondering? If, and he's a UFA. If there's so something, it would be potentially a rental. We're, we're assuming there's not a team out there that's going to pick up, let's say, uh, an existing player's contract that has a lot of money on it right now from the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I'm wondering if there's just an angle we're not looking at 
and or we're not we're not bringing up as much because we just don't think it's possible. But I'm wondering if if this is going to be something where the the team who decide, let's say Columbus decides to trade Savard to the Lightning, understanding that's a big deal for the Lightning to get a guy like that because of their cap limitations and for the player that Savard is, will Columbus, as part of that move, because Tampa Bay. Really, the only way they can make it is if you take somebody off their roster right now that has, you know, a lot of maybe term and significant dollars with it. If the not Lightning necessarily like, right, term, yeah, but it, it would probably it would probably from the Columbus standpoint, it would require term. Like if it's a player that they want, I don't think they want a rental for a rental. Yeah, and I I guess that's where I'm going. Like I'm wondering if the Lightning are like, listen, can you take this guy? You might not want to. We'll maybe pick up some of the, the cap, but take up most of it if you can. Pick up most of it. But because you're you're doing that for us, you get like a really high draft pick or a really good prospect in addition to said player from the roster. So I obviously some moving Yeah, I mean, look, there we have been over this so many times. There are a lot of things that we don't completely understand, and we've been very upfront about that, and there may be an element to this that we are not seeing, and we'll only see it after the fact of a deal is made. That would not be the sort of deal that would be a very low-dollar deal. David Savard getting added to any team, that would be, and I know we're, we're down the home stretch in the regular season and the contract is prorated, but you still need to have the cap space. Correct. To be able to add him. So, you ready for kind of an interesting story here? Yes. This plays, to, this plays to one of Elliot's 31 thoughts. So, Dave, you know I'm not one of those guys that says sources have told me. You know, I, I, like I, <laughs> I throw things out there. You'll but name the source. I read this, this in Elliot Friedman's 31 thoughts. <laughs> how, how can I? I'm going to phrase it this way. I was eavesdropping on a conversation with two, not NHL executives, but two guys who are pretty dialed into the league. This is all within the last week. Did they know you were eavesdropping? No, it was one of those things where I was just, you know, I was doing my own work, and they were next to me, and they were talking. I mean, I, you know, okay. I, was, I, was, I was listening, you know, while I was, while, uh, while I was doing my work. We can thank Bob McGilligan for that. I'm going to say. <laughs> That's right. Thank <laughs> you. Because you were out in the press row. That's right. And the one guy said, you know, the the Carolina Hurricanes are very close or were very close to getting John Gibson. And then it was going to be a blockbuster deal. And there were going to be several players going back and forth. And I said to myself, well, what have, what have you and I discussed about Tampa Bay's division? I mean, it's Vassy. And then it, there's, I think, more questions than answers when it comes to the goaltending position. I mean, like Columbus, you've seen some really good performances, but they've been up and down. Carolina, Mrazek has been good, but Alec Campbell doesn't think it's a big problem, but I don't know if anybody's going to put a lot of money on Carolina to win the cup with Morazic as their goaltender. Anyways, it was interesting hearing it because Elliot Friedman, Dave, in point seven, said, 
Uh, other goalie names to watch include San Jose's Devin Dubnik, Arizona's Antti Ranta, and possibly some of Carolina's depth now that Peter Morazic is back. He says there was a wild rumor the Hurricanes thought about Anaheim's John Gibson, but that was shot down from multiple places. They're comfortable with Morazic. So Elliot must have heard that too, yeah. and he looked into it. And I, I mean, I immediately. Well, he went, makes it sound like it was a rumor that that there yes. was no teeth to it. That's what it sounded like. But but I mean, what I'm saying is he must have started to hear that too a little bit, like being yeah. a rumor, I guess. Now the funny thing is, up until I heard this conversation, I had not heard that. And when I say not heard that, sometimes you see these articles, whether it's Sportsnet, whether it's TSN, whether it's NHL.com. You know, somebody maybe writes something like that. I didn't see anything out there and maybe i missed it and that's fair i could have but i had i had not seen any type of speculation that carolina would make a move like that and john gibson certainly would be somebody that you know a lot of people think is an upgrade over what they have so i found i found it interesting when i when i heard the guys talking about it i was like oh that's really keep an eye on it Let's keep so let's let's say that it did have teeth, because this is how I would think about something like that. Let's say that this deal was close to to occurring, that both teams investigated it, and then at the last minute, for whatever reason, they decided not to 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 pull the trigger. What that would say about Carolina is two things: number one, internally they don't feel confident in their goaltending. One, and two. They feel confident enough in the rest of their roster that they're willing to say goodbye to some significant pieces. Because I have a feeling that we're not talking about John Gibson for Alex Nedeljkovic, right? No. If, if that's the guy that – because presumably a goalie would go back to Anaheim. It's John Gibson to Carolina for a goalie, one of their three, and some pretty important other pieces. I heard off Ra- their NHL roster. I heard Raquel would have been going back too. All right, so that that uh, so and that would a be a huge piece. blockbuster. So that's a big piece. That would be a huge piece, which would mean that you would have to to unload a fair amount of salary if you're Carolina, assuming they're in the similar position that it doesn't have to be exactly like the Lightning. But if you're adding those two players, then then you're taking some pretty important pieces off your team, and it, it apparently didn't have teeth so maybe that's not the way Carolina feels about it I didn't know about the Raquel part because he would be he would be a a very good addition yep so maybe it's it's almost like we're upgrading our goaltending goaltending position because we feel we need to and even though we have to say goodbye to this particular player we are getting Ricard Raquel but Anaheim needs something out of this too right so they may have targeted a couple of guys that they really wanted on Carolina if this if this actually had teeth that's kind of how you think about it. But it apparently didn't have teeth. So maybe Carolina, as as Elliot wrote in his 31 thoughts, is completely fine with their goaltending situation. And clearly there's little to quibble about with the team in front of the goaltending because they have one of the best records in the league. No doubt. This year. No doubt. So it was – we started with Savard, but I, I brought that to one of the other points that I was – hearing about because it, it did deal with the Lightning's division, and I think that would be 
a very, yeah. very interesting conversation when you start talking Elliot about- Elliot also had in there kind of a broad stroke comment that he feels, and this isn't to say that it's definitely going to happen, but he feels that it's going to be quieter than maybe some journalists yeah. are hoping for because they want stuff to write about. And we just spent, what, two, three minutes speculating about a trade that apparently has no teeth. Yeah, he said more but, sellers than buyers. But he, he kind of thinks it's going to be, it's going to be, the waters may be a little more calm at the deadline. It's going to be interesting, too. Like Taylor Hall, Kyle Palmieri, you know, these guys that have been rumored to go. And, you know, even Jack Eichel to a lesser extent, which would be really hard to believe. You wonder if a lot of this stuff doesn't get done in the offseason, too, when you can kind of maybe right. get exactly the package that you want and kind of see where you are cap-wise, too, before you start pulling something like that off. And um, you can add a player to go over the cap. Yeah. In, good point. I, I would say june or july but it's going to be later this year but at the beginning of the off season maybe you make a deal and then you have the rest of the off season to figure out how to become cap compliant that is correct as opposed so we, to making a deal at the deadline where you have to make the deal and be cap compliant at the same time yep hit us up on twitter at bolts radio he's dave michigan i'm greg Linelli. so i wanted to get to ross colton dave as our final topic here before we sign off and of course we got the game tomorrow so I brought this up with Brian Engblom, and I, I'm hesitant to do it because the fourth line has been really good, and you hate to mess with that chemistry. But we do know John Cooper is not really married to chemistry a ton, although you know he likes to have a couple of guys play with one another. But you know we've seen the triplets over the years get broken up. We've seen some other lines that have had you know good chemistry be moved around you know Sorelli was playing with points for a bit and you know we liked what Sorelli was doing with Kaloran and Stamkos I mean it, it I think some of that too is just to keep the season fresh and to let guys play with other guys with that being said there was a two two-part question I was asking Brian why wouldn't you try and move Colton up to the first or second line not permanently but to get things going a little bit offensively. I mean, they do it with other players, Dave. And maybe it's different because it's a fourth liner. I, I don't know the answer to that. I'm just saying to you, one, I am a little surprised they haven't tried to move a player who's been hot to see if he can maybe rub off a little bit on some of the other guys. Not on a permanent basis. I mean, if it ends up being that way, fine. Goes to my second part. But I'm surprised they haven't done it a little bit. And my second part was, and I said this to Brian, and you don't want to overreact, and that's the problem with only seeing these guys play a handful of games at the NHL level. You know, Jake Dotchin can come in and look really, really good, and then the next thing you know, he's out of the league. So you understand that there are very good examples of guys who have played well to start, and then... You don't know what you're going to get game in and game out from from there on out. But the shot, the goal he scored yesterday, that was a goal scorer's goal. And Brian was certainly impressed with that. And then the goal he had before where he went just above the pad, below the yeah. the glove, was was a pretty, pretty awesome goal. And so I just asked the question, what are the chances that Ross Colton just isn't a fourth-line player? Skill-wise, I mean, he's doing everything right now, and he's doing things that Volkov didn't do, just to compare Volkov. Volkov had problems 
maybe adjusting to what a fourth line is supposed to do, and maybe their games are different, so maybe it's not a fair comparison, but in terms of a younger player trying to get their footing in the NHL, sometimes you have to start at the bottom, work your way up. I think Colton's doing that. But I'm wondering, because we kind of pigeonhole guys sometimes and say, look, I, he's a fourth liner. You know, his guy that's going to use his speed, win some face-offs, and kind of grind it out. Like, I think of Mitchell Stevens as a fourth liner. I don't know if, if I necessarily look at Ross Colton, Dave, at least the limited time I've seen him, and say, that's, that's a fourth liner. I think there's a little more upside there. And I'm curious, the more he plays, the more he scores, I don't know where he's going to play. I mean, I think this is probably where he's going to be, but... I'm curious if he'll get a few more looks playing with some other guys on the first, second, or third lines. Well, anything is possible. John Cooper is not shy about mixing up his lines, and he did it last night in the third period, even though the Lightning had generated a fair number of scoring chances as we talked about earlier in the game. The one guy who has been shuffled the most regularly off of that line with Joseph Colton and Maroon has been Joseph, and that happened again last night. Joseph has has played with other guys more regularly, although Maroon took a shift with Braden Point and Andre Pilat near the end of the second period. But by the third period, he was back with Colton with Johnson, and they were actually the line that contributed both goals. I mean, Shen's goal happened with, with Colton Johnson and Maroon on the ice, and then, of course, Colton scored the other one. So we'll see how the lines look tomorrow but is it beyond the realm of possibility that John Cooper might bump up Colton if the Lightning can't break out of this offensive funk sure I mean it's certainly possible I think his preference though would be to keep that line intact he did not break up the Joseph Maroon Colton line because that line had gotten stale I think he broke up that line because he wanted to to inject some energy into some different lines. So I think that probably in a, in a perfect world, he would have that line as as the line has been over the last several weeks. Sure. Continuing to produce and not and that only makes produce sense. goals and points, but drive play, which sure. they've done. And Joseph, look, Joseph, to his credit too, I mean, he, is, he has been productive. And I think you could you can make a case for Joseph. If you're looking for a little bit of a spark and you want to get guys going, maybe you do switch things around a little bit. And uh, I'm curious to see how that unfolds because I don't know if anybody anticipated Colton making this type of impact offensively and really that fourth line, Dave, gelling as well as they have. Although I don't want to minimize it you know, because I think Joseph and Colton have said this before. They have played with each other. So I think there is a bit of chemistry there. Yeah, between those two guys. So I, I, in many ways, maybe we shouldn't be surprised. It was also good to see Dave. Um, I, I thought Ben Thomas looked good last night. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know what that means for him. You know, you and I kind of spent a good portion of the show yesterday about Ben Thomas, and does that affect what they do at the trade deadline? John Cooper basically said, no, it doesn't, as you did. You know, if we need to go get somebody on the back end to help us, would a guy like Thomas does or doesn't do isn't really going to impact but if they can't pull a trigger and find a depth defenseman I mean it doesn't hurt to have Thomas play as well as he has you know I know there's not a lot of NHL experience there but he's looked poised with the puck you know I I, I thought it was a tough play for him on the second goal 
I didn't think Vassie gave him the, the best pass in the world. And, you know, as a result, he kind of fumbled the puck. But I think for the most part, at least through two games, I've, I've seen a guy, you can tell he's played a lot at the minor league level. I, I, there's a, a crispness to his game. Uh, a little bit more of a, a fluid skater than Kyle Foote, as Brian Engblom has said. And uh, I think that's a little noticeable. But I've been I've been surprised with what uh, they have in Ben Thomas. I think he and Sergachev have good chemistry. I know it's really early. Yeah. But I noticed it in the first game. I noticed it again last night. They seem to have a good feel for where the other one is on the ice. And they teamed up to make a really good play. Was it in the first period? There was a Columbus player who would who had gotten like a step behind both of them and Thomas caught the player and Sergeyev came up. Yeah. And knocked the puck away. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's, so he's taken a minus in each game, but it's kind of hard to fault him on, on either of those minuses. Certainly the one against Detroit, he had nothing to do with the one last night. He did have something to do with because Atkinson got in on him and, and centered the puck to Roslovic. But I think that, the reason why Thomas was was stripped was the the pass from Vasilevsky did handcuff him. It was in his skates, but his decision making has been good, and that's and that's really what you want to see and see him keep at a high level because he can skate. We can see that he can move. I yeah, think he Brian, can. Brian just mentioned that, or you mentioned that Brian had said that that he's got some mobility. So the question is, how is he reading the play? What's he doing when he has the puck on his stick? Is he making good decisions? And so far, he's been he's been checking all the boxes. Can he can he continue it? That's that remains be the question seen. that we're gonna yeah. we're gonna find out here. And you know, if Ruda is out week to week, which he is, that means that you know Thomas has an opportunity here. Even when Chernak comes back, based on the opponent, they may decide. To go with a lineup of on the right side, Chernak, Calfoot, and Thomas. If they decide that Chen is that's a good point, gonna gonna take yeah. a game off here or there, which has right. happened already this year, and maybe against a team like Carolina, and the Lightning have a couple of home games left against Carolina or Florida, and they have four games left against Florida, teams that can really scoot. You might want a mobile defenseman back there. And and maybe that's an opportunity where, where Thomas is going to keep playing even after Chernak returns. But as, as I have said many, many times, these uh, these things tend to work themselves out. So let's wait until Chernak actually returns before yep. speculating as to which defenseman currently in the lineup would come out. Should be fun. Hopefully the Lightning can bounce back. They'll take on Columbus again tomorrow. And uh, I think, Dave, we're going to have Franz Jean on. Yeah, that would be great to talk to Franz. I want to talk to him about this this goaltending situation with Vassi. But I also I want to ask him, too, Dave, when a team is struggling to score, how much input does Franz Jean give to his his guys? Yeah. Because I'm sure he scouts the other team's goaltenders, too. I mean, and they're playing well. The other team's goaltenders right now are playing well against the Lightning, and I'm curious how he goes into some of that instruction with the Lightning players, in addition to obviously coaching up the goaltender. So we'll talk to him tomorrow and uh, keep those questions rolling in. Dave, great job as always. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Talk to you tomorrow. All right. He's Dave Mishkin. I'm Greg Lanelli. Thanks to Steve Ersnick as well. Thanks to you for listening. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.